0: Welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, where we discuss e commerce issues and whether our guests today automated, delegated, or eliminated them and why. Your host is Will Christensen, co founder of Data Automation. And again, welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to the automate delegate eliminate podcast put on by Will Christensen, your host. That's me and data automation. We are here to automate and integrate those processes that are frustrating and specifically our show today. I'm really excited about this. We have a a special guest on our podcast tonight. I'll be honest. I'm so excited to get into what he's been doing. Reese Hammerstrom is an e commerce manager at Nomad, where he has helped scale the online channel to support international fulfillment. He streamlined dozens of product launches, and currently he manages systems like nobody's business in a rapid development work environment. Um, we're really excited to have him on the show. I'm going to let him give you more details on on what Nomad is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what's recently happened in his
0: business. Thanks Will, I appreciate the invitation. For the record, we still sell iPhone accessories. So our primary business is making premium iPhone cases, Apple Watch straps, wireless chargers, different accessories for the Apple ecosystem and Pixel ecosystem. And recently with the COVID events, we decided to get into the medical supplies business. So while we had our normal business operating on the side, we pretty much, over the course of a week, launched a whole new flow to be able to accept orders and inventory requests for mass products.
1: So I wanna hear the story. I wanna hear, you're looking at this pandemic and obviously a couple of months ago when it was announced and kind of made known to the public that this was something happening in China. And I'm actually even curious to hear if maybe you guys heard about it a little sooner than some of the others, because I know you have contacts over there and I'd love to hear kind of the the play-by-play of, you know what? What did this look like? And, and what we're going to do today is we're going to take you through our method or our, our way of handling this, where we're talking automate, delegate, eliminate. I want to hear about what you've automated, what you delegated, and what you eliminated as you had to make this shift. Because really, one of the things that you eliminated was some of your your normal uh, everyday what you had to do. So I'd like to hear, you know, give me the play by play. How did it begin? Where did you guys very first hear about the
0: pandemic? Yeah, so there was a thing called Chinese New Year and basically that's their Christmas holiday and all the factories shut down for a week or so and then production gets delayed. The whole the whole company like takes a pause on making new products and this year that happened. And then toward the end of that, COVID started to become a real thing. So that extended the delay of Chinese New Year, putting a lot of pressure on our product launch schedule as well as just general production supply. There's a lot of issues with that. And we were not super confident as most people were about the ramifications and effects of COVID and how that would roll out to the world. And it really wasn't until one of our suppliers, our factories, converted one of their production rooms into a clean room and purchased equipment to manufacture masks at a very high, high volume and came to us for help. We realized that all these factories, in order to help meet the global supply, are popping out of nowhere and there aren't existing supply chains in place. To randomly find those new vendors to distribute, you know, those products to the people that need need the most. So, sort of the factory came to us, and we were thinking, okay, like, what does Nomad do? What are we really good at? And we're actually pretty competent at shipping orders, and we happen to have a Hong Kong warehouse that's conveniently located near China, obviously. So, our ability to actually bring product from China to Hong Kong and then ship that with our existing FedEx rates into the United States was actually relatively economical, and we thought, well. Well, uh, this is a pretty unique opportunity having this international warehouse that we control along with these, these rates to offer people in the United States affordable shipping for these products that they can't get anywhere else with this direct supply. Like, wow, like this is actually kind of interesting. So I believe the first time I heard about the project was on like a Thursday night. It kind of came up in Slack. And then by the next morning, we had placed our first order, and we were we were going. And at that point, we were like, "Oh God, what the heck are we gonna do?" So I guess the way we started was, well, we need to we need to filter and be able to vet people, and not necessarily open this up to the whole world because we need to be able to prioritize people in the medical community, people in hospitals, people directly interacting with COVID patients, and that was kind of the first challenge. So. How do we create the the workflow and the vetting process to then pretty seamlessly convert people that found us online through news outlet or our website or email marketing? How do we give them a place to go to fill out a request where it's, sufficient enough information for us to easily vet them and then convert them into an order into our system. And the way that we went about that was using an Airtable form to collect the information, and our e-commerce platform is Shopify. So then we needed to find a quick way to go from a lead into an order. And then from there, it, the, the orders flowed in our existing supply chain model to ship from. That was sort of the, the, the beginning, essentially. So the, the, first, the first week of everything was really just, okay, like, do we understand what we're doing? How are we gonna prioritize people? What's like the message that we're going to send out to the world and what information do we need in order to really quickly and efficiently vet people to then get orders to them. So our thought was what will create like a pretty in-depth form. So it creates a barrier of entry. And then we made an assumption that people would be relatively honest about the supplies they need and the priority and their ability to afford them and whatnot. And that ended up being correct. And yeah.
1: So part of this was literally just being in the right place at the right time, right? You had an existing relationship with a manufacturer who essentially reached out to you and was like, hey, do you know somebody? Or can you guys help us get these masks out where where they can be? Is that essentially how it went?
0: Yeah, that's essentially how it went. In the factory's mind, they were just looking for the right people to like get the product to the people that need them the most. They had other opportunities to sell masks to people that were reselling them on like Alibaba and Amazon, but that's not necessarily the most ethical thing to do because there's a lot of price gouging happening over there. And they they saw Nomad as the partner that really genuinely wanted to get these to the, the people that need them the most in an economical manner. And Nomad's goal isn't to isn't to profit off of this initiative. It's really to get the masks to the people that need the most as fast as possible and accept donations and donate masks where we can. It's amazing. I
1: mean you are doing something that is not only benefiting Nomad from a standpoint of I'm sure keeping people employed, but also having enormous impact on you know some of what's here and i think one of the things that i want to focus on during this episode is how you decided what to automate what to delegate and what to eliminate right that's what we're here for is to to kind of get in and, and look at some of these things that you did as you got in there okay so the opportunity is sitting on your plate you talked a little bit about how you tackled it but as you were looking at everything that came in how did you decide okay which piece of this i mean
0: obviously you decided on a form tell us what form software you ended up using? The form software we used was through Airtable. The first option was a kind of limited functionality form on our site that just has, you know, email, name, entry, paragraph of text to like describe your scenario. And really early on, we decided on Airtable because of the ability to like feed different types of data through. So we could have people upload an attachment of their uh, hospital badge for verification of ID. We could have people select what quantity of masks they needed from 50 to a 500. We could really quickly add new options into the form live as we're getting data coming in. We could see, okay, well, out of you know the last 100 people that requested supplies, 80% of them needed you know the max number of quantity that we offered. Let's add an option to have a thousand masks or a thousand plus masks, so we could then field different types of requests. So the Airtable form allows us to be extremely flexible in the content that we're requiring for the application, and it feeds it all into. Airtable's backend system, which is by far the most amazing piece of software that I've ever seen. (laughs) And it makes it extremely easy to connect to other systems, other APIs, and become the central database for the project.
1: Interesting. So you used Airtable. Initially, you were using the website. You decided to move the form over to Airtable so that you could in real time edit which fields people were getting in. And so, I mean, when you very first created it, did you sit down for a long time and try to decide what fields should go in this form? How did you
0: get there? yeah the the form was developed in conjunction with the with the website So we were working on website copy and the layout of of the actual web page and the form at the same time. And like most processes of trying to come to the right answer, the form basically got extremely long and we're like, okay, we need all this information from people. We got a bunch of ideas down, the form was huge. And then from there, we really thought about what was most essential and scaled it back to be as concise as possible. Yeah, so it was partly like, okay, like basic information, like phone and email and name, essential. And then some opportunities, for them to describe their unique situation these are like serious products goods that people need really quickly like we need a way for them to communicate can they afford it do they see the price in the form and do they understand the shipping costs in the form level while applying we had an option in there to select that they actually could not afford the product and they actually want a donation and we, we were very surprised to find that a lot of people actually did not select that option people were very open to paying they needed the supplies and you know those who decided that they needed a donation of masks got fed into our donation well workflow essentially we, we are collecting donations from the community and then taking those dollars and then shipping masks for people that needed them through the form that selected the donate option and it like worked out pretty pretty well
1: i mean a fascinating example of, so taking a higher level look at this from the moment you decided, okay, we're going to pivot our business because what we've decided is that Nomad Goods is not just about iPhone cases. This is about a bunch of people who are really good at processes and really good at at shipping. From the moment you decided that you were going to take this on and, and try to make an impact as you got more masks out there to the community, tell me about how quickly things ramped up from the time the first mask left the warehouse and and
0: was shipped till now. What's that look like in terms of volume? So when we first decided that we were doing this, about six days later, we went live to the public. And that was a pretty pretty extreme sprint. We worked throughout that weekend to get it live. First order started rolling in. I think we launched with the first shipment of 50,000 masks inbound to our Hong Kong warehouse. And we turned those orders around in a couple of nights. So we took a very manual approach the first time and created all the shipments directly in FedEx.com because we needed really tight control over the customs documentation for the shipments due to issues at the U.S. border and all borders to have these be processed without much delay. And so we basically shipped through the first shipment of 50,000 units the the next shipment that came in was for 60,000 units and we shipped through that probably over the course of the next week and currently right now there's a shipment of 300,000 units inbound to Hong Kong and we've already collected orders for upward of 170,000 masks allocated against that shipment we have we have Shipments coming in um, into the US right now to fulfill some large orders for some local hospitals. And I think currently we've ordered somewhere around the area of 4 million masks.
1: I love what you guys are doing and I'm excited about this. So, as you started to kind of pick apart the process and you created an input, as I like to call it in terms of automation, I talk about automation and where is the data now? Where does it need to go? And what needs to happen to it in between, right? Those are kind of the three questions I ask about everything there. And then I start to get into like how often. How often is it happening if we're doing an ROI analysis? In this situation, there was no ROI analysis needed. You knew it was going to explode. So where's the data now? Well, we needed a place for it to come from and you weren't going to just receive emails. You, I mean, you could have Reese, right? You could have put up a big post-it, so to speak, on your website that said, hey, email us at uh, Reese at hellonomad.com and we'll help you out. But You decided not
0: to. You decided to do a form. Why did you decide to do a form? Being in e-commerce, a lot of people have a lot of questions and getting involved in hundreds of email conversations that take four or five back and forth to get all the right information. That just did not seem like the best idea. So it was the fastest way. If the demand is there, people will apply. And then let's try to get people through the system in one go where it requires no interaction with the applicant and we could basically take assuming they fill out everything properly and honestly and do their best we could convert them into an order immediately essentially that was the requirement for sure
1: got it so it's about normalizing that data normalizing the input. Cause you could, I mean, let's be honest, you could have said, Hey, just email us if you're interested. That would have been faster than making the form, right? To just post an email address, but would it have been better? And would you have really saved that much time in the end? I would say no. I, I would say it was a good choice to move, use that form. And then obviously you mentioned the idea of we got a form coming in and then you're going to generate an order off of that. So, so Airtable, does Airtable do e-commerce orders?
0: No. So the order gets created in Shopify. Okay. So our, our solution was to create, there's a thing called draft orders where we could send the customer an invoice. And all that we need for that is how many masks they want, their email and a first name. So we could pull that information from their form submission. And then within, I don't know, 30 minutes or an hour or the next day, email them an invoice for the amount of masks that they requested that they could then go through our normal checkout flow and, and convert into a, a real order. And that process was not necessarily something that we prepared very well for. The invoice part was very manual and it wasn't until a week or two after launch that we decided to automate it. And the automation itself wasn't that successful. We ran into some issues in terms of our ability to push a lot of volume through it. No, that I hear where you're coming from there. So let's
1: back up a little bit. As the orders came in, you converted them from an Airtable submission into, so you wanted to evaluate the submissions, then you wanted to convert that into an order, a draft order inside Shopify. I mean, what did you use? Obviously, we're big fans of Zapier around here, where I'm guessing that's what you ended up getting involved with as you connected some of the dots. What did you end up using to connect Airtable to Shopify?
0: Well, for the far majority at the very beginning, it was manual. So we We would have Airtable on one screen and Shopify on the other and enter the data manually. In a perfect world, we would have set up that automation before we even launched, but the nature of going live quickly just doesn't allow for that. I'm, I'm actually
1: going to challenge you on that. I think that it was smart to have done it manually. So one of the rules that I tell people when I'm on podcasts and when I'm trying to teach people is that they should do it five times manually first. Now, you probably did it way more than five times. You probably did it 5,000 times or 500 times before you automated <laughs> it. But uh, but I, I tell people, do it five times manually first. Tell us, so, so here is a case in point example. You had the data in Airtable, you opened it up on another screen and you were copying and pasting. And Nomad is not a a stranger to automation, um, you were obviously rapidly doing this in a, like a two-week period as you pivoted the business to kind of get out there and push into where you needed to go. Let me put it this way. Had you done it, uh, hindsight's two thousand and twenty. so had you done it originally, what would you have missed? In your automation, that, that kind of messed things up? What do you think would have happened had you tried to automate it
0: originally? Probably just would have been spending the time on the wrong thing, honestly, because there was not much room for experimentation and like hypothetical, like, oh, we should build this integration because it'll solve this like hypothetical process. We had people available that needed things to do. So we knew we could fall back on a manual process for, for part of this. So I, I think it would have been more of like an opportunity cost of not setting something else up. It's possible we didn't know the correct endpoint in Shopify to use i think we just needed to confirm that there was demand before building that piece of the puzzle because that ended up being like pretty technically challenging and i don't even know if it's still properly ready right now and this whole kind of version one system is built to support like one product like we're selling masks we're distributing masks through this form and this uh draft order process and today we actually just launched Launch version two that could support more than one product through a wholesale portal in Shopify that, that completely abandons most of what we've discussed already. That automation may not even be necessary long-term. See, but, but
1: the powerful thing is that it got you to where you are now. You used it as a rung in the ladder to discover what you needed to know. Because at the beginning, was it worth all of the effort to go in and have set up this wholesale portal inside Shopify? You, I mean, you didn't know. Have you ever read a book called The Lean Startup, Reese?
0: Uh, and this is Eric, Eric Reese, I think.
1: Yeah. Eric Reese. Yep. That book, is, I mean, what you did is exactly what he says, prove the demand first, fail faster. So had you put this up there and nobody filled out that Airtable form? How long had you spent building that Airtable form? Yeah, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. So you, you wasted almost nothing. But had you spent the hours and hours it would have taken to hypothetically dream up how this could have happened and then launched it, you would have wasted, well, in this situation, assuming it didn't work, you would have wasted those hours. In this situation, because you had gone rapidly you were able to prove on and see what was there remember let's go back in time or let's go back to the beginning of the episode here you mentioned that you rapidly iterated on the form that first showed up on the website and then went into Airtable. and and this form you were adding fields you were removing fields you were probably making some fields required and making other fields not required i mean you were really changing the inputs in the beginning right
0: yeah we, we probably did three like iterations of like, okay, we need to add this field, we need to add this text to so now tell people that the ship date of the product is going to be next week, not this week, to help set expectations, wh- which was really helpful. Reese, you and I spend a ton of time around
1: automation and integrations. What happens when you take or add away a field to an automation? What happens to an automation or an integration when you randomly add a field in there that the automation wasn't expecting?
0: Oh, uh, you see the build around it.
1: Yeah, we have to build around it. And if the field's in the wrong place, can it break the entire process? Frequently, yeah. Yeah, frequently. Yeah, that's the word. That's the (laughs) word I would use. Yeah, like the biggest bombshell you can put in the middle of an integration or an automation is an extra or a non-existent field. In fact, most of the time when I'm automating on Zapier, one of my main sticking points is when the field that I want to map into the rest of the flow wasn't available in the trigger step, right? I mean, that is so key to normalize your input and then automate. And that's what it boils down to. Do it five times manually so that you can normalize your input so that when you get to the end of that day and you get to the end of like, okay, now it's time to automate it, you know what to do. How much easier was it for you to set up this wholesale portal with all of the settings and things that were in there because you had two weeks worth of experience doing it through the Airtable form?
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it was pretty simple, to be completely honest. There's not that much customization opportunity is available within the wholesale portal due okay. to like the nature of the feature in Shopify right now. Right. So there's not much that we could do, but what we're still going to use is the air table form to then filter leads and like allow people to access the the portal. So there, there will be new automations that we need to build, adding a tag to a customer in Shopify, for example, but that's not a problem for right now. That's a problem for next week or the week after that, essentially.
1: So how do you decide? Okay, so we've talked a lot about automation. Let's talk about delegation. You mentioned there that you you did something where you decided instead of automating it initially, because you were doing the copy and paste part, you decided to delegate it. What made you decide that delegation was the right route in between? Besides the fact that it needed to get done? <laughs> sometimes that's exactly what it boils down to, right? Yeah. I got a pile of crap here and it just needs to get done. And and you look at it and you say, Is that gonna be something I should spend two hours automating and then and then just run it through the automation? Or is that something that I just need to turn around to an employee who's making ten to fifteen dollars an hour or, or twenty dollars an hour or whatever it is, and they say, Hey, can you sort through that pile of papers right there? I mean, I mean, you gotta kinda decide when is it time to automate, when is it time to delegate, right?
0: Yeah, and, and we knew that there was going to be manual work involved in in that step going into it. So we were ready for the manual work. And in this instance, the automation that was required to really automate that process was pretty technical and pretty difficult. And it was beyond my scope, for example, like in order to get this live, we had a Shopify flow feeding into a Google Sheet and then Zapier taking the sheet and feeding the orders and leads and invoices and donations into Airtable. So all that stuff is, are things I've done before. So I have workflows live right now that have been live for three months or whatever. Doing that exact process so it was really easy for me to take that automation and duplicate it for this project but interacting with the draft order api endpoint within Shopify was not something that i've done before and that draft order endpoint isn't the the prettiest compared to other endpoints in Shopify and it's just a, a lot more technical in terms of how to how to create that order.
1: So Reese, you're talking, I mean, you're on a level here where there are some listeners who are listening to this and they're like, flip, is he a coder? So so I want you to answer that question because I'm sure it rolled through some people's minds as they were listening to this. Sorry about that. No, no, um, no, no not, not at all. This is going to be a broad range of listeners. We're going to see people all across the board. I, I want to hear from you. No, not
0: necessarily. I think I'm a person that is like very genuinely interested in this stuff and find it pretty fascinating just in the, in the ability to save time you can just do a lot more in your day if you have all these automations running in the background working for you. I mean, it's not necessarily easy. Like I've definitely put in the time to learn this stuff and talk with you a lot about what's actually happening technically in the background and how to read API documentation. And once you understand kind of the basics around authentication and how to request a webhook or whatever, like it's pretty applicable across all sorts of different softwares and you can get pretty dangerous pretty quick from my experience.
1: So tell me, and, and I'm not trying to chew the data automation horn here, other than obviously we were involved in this process. But if you take nothing away from this podcast today, listeners, the thing that I want you to take away from is I want you to see what happened. So many people think, oh, it was just all about being at the right place at the right time. But it's more than that. The founders of Nomad, amazing, amazing men have have put some systems in place and they've believed in their employees and given their employees the access that they needed to some automation resources. Now, in this situation, yes, those automation resources are data automation. But what I'm trying to get at is more what it means to have access to the appropriate automation resources, whether it's data automation or anybody. So tell us a little bit about what prepared you for this moment. What did Brian and Noah do, the founders of Nomad? What did did they do inside Nomad with your culture to create a place where you had a team of people who could adapt to these processes and automate, delegate, and eliminate appropriately? What was done ahead of time to prepare?
0: They really just opened up the opportunity to really dig into these things and learn. So I could spend a night or something, for example, on trying to learn one API call into one system and then take that and implement that the next day at work in the office where I'm saving, you know, four or five coworkers time 15 minutes a day or something in that process. So the ability to not only create the automation, but to implement that in our current operation to save everyone time, having that opportunity and having that leeway to basically say, hey guys, you know, you're doing this right now. This requires, you know, 15 button clicks. Here's an alternative solution where you can do it in three and it takes a quarter of the time. So just having the flexibility to implement new systems at a rapid pace gives the automation investigation and the time it takes you to learn to actually pay off because you could apply what you learned one day and create something that is benefiting the team the next.
1: It's amazing. I mean, if you really think about it, you sit down and look at some of these different things you're doing, Reese. I mean, this is powerful. So at this point, you're a pseudo dangerous coder slash developer, but you don't really consider yourself a pseudo dangerous coder slash developer. You're just a dude who's been interested. If you're an entrepreneur today and you thought, you know, you're listening to this podcast and you thought that you had to have a coder to connect Shopify, for example, to your Airtable, you know, we've got proof here that that's not necessary. And with the approach, Appropriate resources put in Reese's hands, he was able to do a lot of these workflows on his own. And when he when he got underwater, Brian and Noah had had formed the partnership with Data Automation, and it could have been with any automation company to appropriately support Reese in his automation efforts so that Reese could say, Hey, you know what? We're gonna stop the entire production line and we're gonna make a left instead of right because that is more efficient. Enablement and, and putting people on the front lines and allowing them to shift and go. That's what this is all about. It's about making a difference in the workplace by allowing employees to recognize that their brains are way more important than their ability to click buttons and pull levers. Sometimes you really do need people to just pull that lever over and over and over again, right? And many times you need to make sure that you recognize that, you know, it's okay not to have people pushing buttons. It's okay to have people stop and say, "Hey, I think there might be a more efficient way to look at this." That's powerful. Well, I I want to congratulate you guys. I noticed in the news, John Grazini Very popular actor and individual. He's got a, a really awesome YouTube video out there and I'll post the link in the show comments but he totally mentions you guys in his some good news did are you aware that you were you were in his episode two yeah. of some good news
0: it's pretty funny I think um I got maybe already five or six comments from people that have watched that and reached out but didn't he just like show a screenshot of the tweet he didn't actually like say the word nomad <laughs> correct
1: yeah so he yeah. did but the fact that you gotta mention I mean that video's got nine million views on it yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah totally amazing and, and I'll be honest the exciting thing here is the work you're doing is making a, an amazing impact on there. So couldn't be more excited about that and more excited about what you guys are doing in the e-commerce world, showing some of these people, some of the different pieces of what's there. As we wrap up our episode, I wanted to ask you, you know, if you were to give advice to other entrepreneurs, and by the way, I do consider you what I would call an intrapreneur right. because you're working inside Nomad. And I think that the entrepreneurs of the world need a little more credit because you are providing an amazing amount of value for Nomad. And it's it just powerful, powerful stuff. So if you were to provide another piece of wisdom that you could give to other entrepreneurs or other entrepreneurs who are currently working in, in companies and looking to automate, delegate, or eliminate, what would that piece of wisdom be?
0: A big thing that has helped me is to just, try and like not be afraid to try to do something like don't be afraid to google around watch a youtube video really investigate if you don't know what to automate like just try to do something like oh i wonder if i can get you know this piece of data over here or like if i could automate that button click because it's really through trying you'll gain the skills and the tool belt that you'll use in the future when something does come up and you're like oh i know how to do that the first time around i would just highly recommend not being afraid to build automations that are useless
1: Amen. Build <laughs> automations that are useless. And, and that really goes back. I mean, if you're thinking about it, fail faster, right? And that, that's kind of contra uh, views there, but I, I'm totally with you. Choose something that you're willing to automate and automate it just for the sake of automating it because you've got some time to learn and sharpen your tool belt. Put another piece or another item, another way to tackle everything that's there. I could not agree more with what's there. So as we wrap up, last question I wanted to ask you, is there anything you'd like to promote on the podcast today? Any special? Offers or anything you'd like to, to tell people about as far as the masks or about your you know
0: nomad and the and the cases and the like. You know, not not particularly. Like we're so focused on this COVID initiative, and I guess if you need masks, like reach out and see if we're still we're, we're still doing this. I, I think we will for a while until all this kind of gets past us. If you need anything beyond masks, we, we just launched hand sanitizer this week, so we have that coming out. And yeah, like I'm not trying to sell anything necessarily. If you That's need masks, nice. let us know. I love it. I love it. The initiative
1: is amazing. And Reese, if someone wants to get in touch with you or Nomad Goods, either for, you know, an amazing place to work or, you know, to, to pick up some more iPhone accessories or Pixel accessories, or obviously the face masks and the hand sanitizer
0: that you're helping out with now, where can we find you? Probably just the best thing to do would be to shoot me an email, reese, R-E-E-S-E at nomadgoods.com. That'd be the best best place.
1: Awesome. Well, Reese, pleasure having you on the show today. I'll be honest; uh, it's a it's been a pleasure working with you uh, over the past couple of years. You're you're one of my favorite people to chat and look at new automations and new opportunities for Nomad and and the world in general. Good stuff.
0: Yeah, thanks for the invite, Will. Appreciate it. And it's been great working with you. If anyone needs to know how Will really is outside of the office, uh, let me know. And I'll happy to provide a recommendation for the service.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks, Reece. Uh Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. We'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, hosted by Paul Christensen.